I knew nobody in the industry. Didn't stop me. So what I would like people that are listening that have considered starting a podcast is to question your beliefs or question the doubts or preconceived notions that you have about starting a podcast, because I'd probably say that most of them are not accurate. You will go forward. You will continue creating episodes. You will drive forward and create longevity in your podcast if you're creating episodes about something that you are passionate about and you care about. I know that if you put energy into something or the universe is giving you inspiration to do something, you should do it because that is leading to potentially something incredible that you can manifest. This is Leon Hill, also known as Leon the Alchemist. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Woke and Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and today I am recording from New York City. I am attending the Digital Agency Expo and just getting so stimulated around all things digital. I love stats. I love SEO. And as sharing on Instagram, it's so important to diversify our energy, our attention, and how we invest all kinds of resources into our online presence. Instagram and YouTube, social media is not the be all and all. And having a blog, having a search engine optimized website is as relevant and important as ever. And so is having a podcast. I hear so many people say that they want to start a podcast and then they come up with all these reasons what's stopping you. Are you one of those people? Some of the reasons I hear the most is you don't like your voice. You don't know what niche to fall into. You are not sure if you have time. You don't even know where to begin. And the biggest reason is, oh, it's too saturated. And the truth is, you can always come up with excuses. But if you're being called to do something, you have to honor that calling. You have to take action on it. I have shared before that I have started this podcast after thinking about it for years and finally had the very strong intuitive hit to get an action around it when I took a Kundalini workshop. And I just had a vision. I had a very, very clear vision that it's time and I'm ready and there's no reason for me to postpone this. So I started the podcast and the kind of connections it's given me, the ways that it's allowed me to grow my business and launch online courses and increase my revenue, it's just been absolutely next level. And most importantly, anytime I record an interview, I just feel so alive and so in the flow. And To me, that's the most satisfying part of it all. It just allows me to talk about things I care about the most with people that I want to learn from, I want to connect with, I want to co-create with. One such person is Leon Hill, also known as Leon the Alchemist. He is the host of the Bioalchemy podcast, and he was my guest on episode 42, where he shared how he made a million dollars at the age of 23 by being creative in the digital marketing field. That conversation, that first episode we recorded together, was really pivotal for me because it really pushed me to think outside the box and be more playful and creative in my own work. So I highly encourage that you go and put episode 42 in your queue so that you get to catch up 
on who Leon is, learn about his routines. He's a biohacker after all, and there's definitely plenty of things we can all learn from him to optimize our performance, how we feel, and how we show up. In this episode, we go deep into all things podcasting. When I interviewed Leon, he was about to launch his podcast, BioAlchemy. Now it's been up for a few months, and within the first three months of launching it, he has started getting almost 100,000 monthly downloads. He has also made over $20,000 on his own digital courses that he's been promoting on his podcast. So if you've been thinking that it's too late to enter the game, think again. This podcast conversation is going to change everything. We talk about exactly the steps that he took to hack the algorithms, to hack the psychological reasons why people choose to listen to certain podcasts and not others. We talk about unconventional and time-saving ways to promote your podcast on Instagram. And we also have a very honest conversation about numbers. I think with podcasts, because unlike Instagram, the numbers aren't out there for everyone to view, it can be very hard to really know what is doing well, what is not, what's resonating. And in this episode, both Leon and I, we just share our numbers of downloads and not a lot of people do that. I really hope that it serves you and inspires you to take action on starting that podcast if that's something you have been thinking about. Heads up, the whole conversation is incredibly valuable and stimulating, but if you want to get straight to the five tips, Leon shares them at the very end of the conversation. Leon also has a digital course where he teaches you how exactly to do what he did with the success of his podcast. So if you're interested in that, definitely stick around to the end because he might share a coupon code for the listeners that is very generous. Enjoy this conversation and please share your takeaways and tag at WokenWired. I would love to see what's resonating with you, what's moving you, what's inspiring you, what's really landing. And if you haven't already, please rate the show and leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps more people discover it and it helps the podcast get up there in the charts. And I've been seeing it appear in a lot of charts all over the world. So thank you all so much. And we also have gone past 100,000 downloads. I'm so, so grateful for it. And once again, just the kind of opportunities and doors that having a podcast has opened for me have been immeasurable in dollars. So if you're thinking about it, trust me, just try it out. Give it a go. Make it a fun and playful test. Shouldn't we all approach our business adventures with more of that attitude? Here's Leon the Alchemist, host of the BioAlchemy podcast. Leon, I'm noticing that since we last talked, you have a couple of new things on your Instagram bio, which is the measure of a lot of things in this life, whether it's funny or sad, but that's just the world we live in. And the things that I am noticing is that you have a podcast with 90,000 freaking monthly downloads and a new podcast course. I do. So it was actually just before I took a break, which is I'm sure something we'll talk about later on in this interview. I actually hit over 100,000 a month in the last month. So I was pretty happy about that. I wanted to do that within the first three months was my goal, but I did it within 
think four and a half. So I'm not really upset about it being a little bit later than I expected. The universe provides everything and does everything in in good time or in the perfect time, I believe. So I had some big goals that I wanted to achieve when I launched the BioAlchemy podcast. I achieved them. And then it was my beautiful partner, Sorel, who you are very familiar with, who we actually got connected through because you knew Sorel. And she inspired me. She said, you've done with this podcast in three months what most people never do in a lifetime or what most people haven't done with a podcast in 10 years. You need to teach people how to do this. So I built crazily, spent a ton of time building a course, teaching people how to basically replicate or hopefully replicate the exact results that I achieved. And yeah, it launched as we're recording this last week. So I was pretty excited about that going out. So question that I'm personally interested in, and I'm sure that some of the listeners who have their own podcasts are also interested in, does this apply to people who already have their podcast or does it have to be brand new? Because I know there's some loopholes about getting into the new and worthy on iTunes. I would say that probably 80% of it is applicable to people that have an existing podcast. Now, I used myself as an example, as the test dummy. Not that I was using myself as a test dummy in that realm. I mean, I had no intention of creating a how-to podcast podcasting course, but you can think of me as the example of what I teach people in the course, as the, the crash test dummy of what I did. So I guess from that point of view, part of the story and what I achieved within the first 90 days was with a brand new podcast. Now, in saying that, a lot of the things that did help my podcast succeed were things like finding my own unique selling points, ensuring that I had psychological marketing tactics embedded in my music, in my podcast cover artwork, all of the SEO skills that I built over 12 years in digital marketing, basically everything that I've learned over 12 years. Now, that definitely helped me get into New and Noteworthy, which I achieved in, I think, 13 countries overall. But obviously, that was with a brand new podcast. Now, in saying that, all of the tactics that I implemented in my podcast also are beneficial for anyone that does have an existing podcast to help increase rankings in search, to help increase visibility with branding and all of that kind of stuff. So I would dare say that about 80% of it would be applicable to people that have an existing podcast. I do talk about some of the basics in it. And also as something that I want to put out there is the fact that this was my first podcast. I'd never started a podcast before, never spoken on a microphone. The main thing that probably benefited me when it came to speaking is that I formerly have owned a PR agency. So I have coached people on how to speak in front of a camera, how to speak on microphone, how to speak in the interviews. So that definitely helped me a lot in starting a podcast. But in saying that, this whole podcasting thing was was very, very, very new to me. So if I can do this with the skills that, that I had in my existing marketing background, then I really believe that anyone else can too. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just applied what I knew and what I was great at to a different form of media, which was a podcast. So yeah, that was, I think I would say, yeah, again, about 80% of it would be applicable to people with a new podcast. And one of the things that I'm just going to touch on here, one of the, the things that really drove me to create this course, which I've called probably maybe the best podcasting course in the world, because <laughs> I, I, try, I try not to take anything too seriously. And I just wanted to give it a little bit of a joke title, but I'm big on doing market research, which I, I believe everyone should be big on doing market research, right? regardless of whatever you're doing. And when Sorel gave me the idea to create a podcasting course, my first 
inspiration in my head was, okay, go and do your research, see who's out there, who's selling guides, teaching people how to do the same thing and all that kind of stuff. So I went out and did, you know, to scope out my competition to see what else, what, what everyone else was teaching and all that kind of stuff. So the big problem that I found, which really drove me to create this course, is that so much of the information that is out there, and I, I bought multiple courses from people that were already teaching this stuff, so much of the information that is being taught about this in paid courses online is out of date. And some of it, is 10 years out of date. So I will leave them nameless, but one of the people that I bought a course from, it was almost a thousand US dollars and the information was valid probably 10 years ago and it's still being taught now. Now, this is someone that obviously succeeded a long time ago in podcasting, but you've got to put it in perspective that 10 years ago, less than a thousand new podcasts were being created every month in the USA. Today, more than 10,000 new podcasts are being launched in America every single month. So the competition is more than 10 times. Obviously, things have evolved since then as well. So I was really driven to create something that was valid now, that people could use now, that had information that was relevant for 2019. Because keep in mind, I started my podcast in February this year and over-deliver to them and also do it at a price that was considerably lower than what everyone else was selling the same information for. I found that most of, on average, these podcasting courses that were out there were anywhere between $500 to $1,000. I even found one that was about $1,800 and I'm selling mine for less than $300. So I'm a big believer in over-delivering to people as well as doing it at a price that no one else is really doing it at. So but yeah, really, it came down to the fact that I was, you know, and part of my swearing, but I was really pissed off that there were so many people selling so much outdated information. I was like, dude, I've got to fix this. So I did. Mm. All right. I have so many questions and I'm so excited to dive into this. But first, if any of you guys are listening and still wondering why you would want to have a podcast, I'm just going to share from my experience. And then Leon, I want to share from yours sort of about the intention and what the outcome has been so far. So in my experience, I started a podcast because I just had a strong intuitive sense that the conversation I want to be having that lights me up the most, combining digital world, entrepreneurship, spirituality, personal development, all in one conversation is the future and is the way to go. And I just didn't see it happening. So I created it. And then naturally, it evolved into me teaching social media more, creating a conscious social media program. And if I didn't have the podcast, I don't know if me launching the e-conscious social media program would have been successful as it was. And so that's one thing. And then I also have been getting more public speaking gigs because of the podcast and just developing such a deeper relationship with all my audiences and also developing insane amount of relationships with other thought leaders, influencers, people that I'm interviewing that otherwise I don't know if I would be able to get access to. And so these are, I would say, top of mind outcomes and intentions that have come out from me having the podcast. And the things that keep driving me to do it is the same reasons. And also recently, to be very frank, I saw that Tim Ferriss did a, did a test where he tried to do his podcast. He tried to transfer it to be listener supported versus sponsor supported. And the test didn't bring nearly as much revenue as he was expecting. So he brought back the ad revenue model. And apparently, first of all, all his listeners were rebelling because they love his recommendations and they love his advertising because it's so on brand. It's so genuine. 
And it really does serve as a discovery platform. And I think that's so refreshing in the world of influencers and marketing and ads to hear that people actually do appreciate that when it is done with thorough intention and being picky. And two, I also got to see, because that's information Tim Ferriss shared publicly, how much he charges for ad spaces. Leon, you want to take a guess or maybe you know? I think it's about 50K an episode, if I'm correct. Wow, very impressive. Exactly. It's 50K an episode and you can buy only a minimum of two at a time. So, you know, the fact that you can be having conversations that light you up, that create positive impact in the world, and at the same time be sharing products that are incredible and super aligned with what you're doing and be getting paid $50,000 an episode, I think that's a pretty good reason to continue doing this. I would definitely agree. The thing for me, though, is at the start with a new podcast, which is a big thing that a lot of people don't have the benefit of. I mean, with Ferris, it's, you know, he has a huge audience. He's got one of the most respected podcasts in the world. If you're starting a new podcast, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to start a new podcast, maybe you've started one recently. I mean, a big hurdle is, is if you're not very well known, you're going to find it very, very difficult to get a sponsor. You know, sponsors like podcasts that have been around quite a long time people that have credibility and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that before starting my podcast. And one of the things that I achieved, which is one of the big things that I wanted to share with people in the course that I created, is that I did over $20,000 in revenue in the first 90 days of launching my podcast. Now, I did that with no sponsors. So what are the other options? You know, you've got things like affiliate marketing. Sure, taking a percentage of another company's product is great. But unless you've got an extremely high ticket product, you may not be earning that much money. And to be completely open and honest about it, in the quarter of a million plus downloads that my podcast has so far in five-ish months, I think the affiliate revenue on a few products that I've recommended to my audience in total was about $900. So that's not much. You can't really live on $900 over five months of launching a podcast. So what do you do? What are your other options? Well, the best option, in my opinion, is to sell something of your own. Now, I'm talking about selling a podcasting course right now. You have a conscious social media course. We're both big proponents of selling digital products. And selling digital products, you know, it's been something people have been doing for about a decade, but it's really sort of hitting open, hitting in the world now. Everyone's starting to do it, and with good reason. Almost all the profit is yours. People are willing to pay a lot of money for someone that has really good advice to give. And that's what I did before launching my podcast. I knew that I wanted to earn a source of revenue for my podcast immediately because, you know, I had costs. Like I was paying a company $1,000 a month to edit and produce my episodes, not saying to scare anyone off that starting a brand new podcast. You don't have to do that, by the way. It's just, I hate the editing process. I'm lazy when it came to it. So I was like, all right, I'm handing the editing process off to someone else. You don't have to do that. There are so many great apps and programs out there that you can do the editing and mastering and mixing yourself. I just didn't want to do it. Or you can outsource it, but pay much less because there's different price points and you can find people all over the world doing this for you at every price point. Exactly. Me, I found a company in Canada. Of course, you're paying Western prices, all that kind of stuff. So there's a much cheaper way of doing it than I did. So don't use me as an example for that. Don't let that scare you off if you're listening and you think that you can't start a podcast because straight away you've got a grand a month in editing fees. Also consider that I was producing 20 episodes a month. I wasn't doing four. I wasn't doing you know two or three as some people do. I was doing right. five episodes a week. So that's also... Just to give listeners perspective, that's another huge factor in why it costs so much. If you're doing four episodes a month like your one, 
obviously the editing costs are going to be considerably less. So, but yeah, basically I wanted to make money from the podcast straight away. So I created a digital product. So I spent about two weeks, two or three weeks before launching my podcast, creating an online course. It was only sold for $50, but even at a $50 price point, I took in over 20 grand in the first 90 days. So for people out there that are thinking that you need to be selling some high ticket item, that you need to be selling something that's $2,000 and trying to upsell people, you don't really need to be doing that. Obviously, the more downloads that you have, the more listeners that you have, the better you're marketing your podcast at the start, the more people that are going to buy your product, especially if they're interested in it. But don't think there are so many avenues. What I find when I talk to people, I have had so many people since launching my podcast that are asking me about, you know, how did you do it? You know, how can I succeed doing this? Whatever. So many people have so many preconceived notions that are stopping them from starting one. One is how I'm going to make money. They're like, most people only think that I have to get a sponsor. No, there are so many ways that you can earn money from a podcast. I can't, you know, I can't edit a podcast episode or I can't pay someone to do it. No, there are apps like Anchor, which basically produce and master your episodes within it almost automatically. That's not an issue. Oh, I can't interview people or I've got no credibility in my industry. I've been a biohacker for 12 years. I had no credibility in the industry though. I was a personal project. It was a passion of mine for over a decade. I knew nobody in the industry. Didn't stop me. So what I would like people that are listening that have considered starting a podcast is to question your beliefs or question the doubts or preconceived notions that you have about starting a podcast, because I'd probably say that most of them are not accurate. Yes. And I love that we're getting so deep about monetizing your podcast and that you're so generously, Leon, sharing your numbers because, you know, I'll be honest too, I did look into possibly doing ads on the podcast and the brands I wanted to work with wouldn't even consider me because my downloads weren't where they would want them to be and the kind of platforms they're used to working with. And the ones that did want to work with me just seemed too diluting for my message. If I'm going to use this space to talk about something I care about that can monetize, I'd rather, like you said, promote my own product that I put so much love and intention and knowledge into that I truly believe in that if everyone buys it, it's going to make a big difference in their life versus some sheets or I don't know, a superfood. Totally. And I could not agree with you more. And I think another thing to really put into perspective for listeners is that if you're the host of a podcast and you have a listener that's coming back consistently to listen to you, they like you. They obviously, they like you. They like your message. They like what you're all about. And it's much easier to sell something of yours because that person likes you than it is to convince them to buy something of a third party that you're promoting. Like you could be advertising another company and sure, it's your recommendation, but it's still not coming from you. People have to realize this, that people are invested in you if they're listening to your podcast. Sure, they're coming for the content. Maybe the people that you're interviewing, maybe you're not, you don't even have an interview style podcast. You're just creating solo episodes where you blab on about things that you're passionate about in your life or things that you've learned or, or, or whatever. But the thing is, is that people that are coming to listening, they are invested in you. So if you create something that brings value to them, those people are already more likely to purchase that because they have an investment in you. They, they already have some kind of attachment to you. So people need to get give up this idea that they need a sponsor on board to make money out of a podcast. And sure, later on, if that's something you want and something you want to do, cool, bring a sponsor on, on board. There are so many podcasts that are making big money out of sponsorship. But for the average person, it's not going to be a reality at the start. It's not. It may not be a reality for years in some cases. So try and think, you know, all right, this is my issue. 
how do I fix it? You, you fix it by providing something that people are willing to pay for. And there's nothing better, in my opinion, than digital products. Digital information products are probably the greatest thing since sliced bread, to use a really, really <laughs> old terminology. But there is a reason why everyone on the internet is selling one these days, because there are so many people that are willing to pay good money for good advice. And you should get on that bandwagon, because otherwise you are going to be left behind. You know, it's so interesting, and I wouldn't let that being left behind stop anyone if you're listening to this, let's say, a year from now, because I thought that I'm releasing my first big online course last spring, that I'm late into the game, and I had my own limiting beliefs about that, but it did way better than I could have predicted, and so it's interesting that you're right, there are so many people who have online products and courses and other kinds of products and downloads, but a lot of them are either irrelevant or they're not cover they're only covering a certain niche, but not every person. And so there's still space. That's what I'm hearing most of all. It's interesting because there are people who are like the OGs on podcasting who have these online courses about how to make a podcast. But I can totally see how they might be completely outdated if they haven't done something like launching a new podcast in today's landscape like you did. Exactly. Exactly. And I think people will be very surprised what other human beings are willing to pay to learn. Now, it's there are some podcasts out there that have such freakishly narrow niches that you wouldn't even expect there is an audience for it. And I mean, but not only that there's an audience for it, but a huge audience of people that have been waiting for this kind of content. I mean, let's take YouTube as an example. I stumbled across a YouTube channel the other day about knitting, and I think it had three or four million subscribers on it. And I mean, like, sure, there are tutorials for knitting all over the internet, but it's not exactly a small niche. But the fact that there are three or four million people on this channel had half of half a billion views, I think, on knitting. The thing is, is that you don't need to be creating a podcast as well about what everyone else is doing. Find something that you love. And this is one of the things that I really talk about deeply in my course, regardless of whether you're selling an information product or creating a podcast to sell an information product with, you will go forward. You will continue creating episodes. You will drive forward and create longevity in your podcast if you're creating episodes about something that you are passionate about and you care about. If what you see on the internet is, okay, the biggest podcasts in the world are Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. And you go, okay, so to succeed, I need to do that. No, you don't. And probably one of the most important things in why I succeeded with my podcast is I didn't do what everyone else was doing. One, I took something that wasn't a professional skill of mine, which was biohacking, which was a passion of mine for 12 years. And I turned that into a podcast. Everything told me that if I ever wanted to start a podcast one day, which I'd been thinking about for years is do it, do a marketing-related podcast, do a podcast related to digital advertising because that's what I'd been doing professionally for 12 years. But if I did that, if I started a podcast like that, I think I would have gotten bored of it very quickly. Sure, that that's my core set of skills. Sure, I love it. But I don't see the content creation process as something that is work. Like I've actually really fallen in love with the content creation process of creating podcast episodes and that really surprised me. And the biggest takeaway from that was the fact that I loved the industry. I loved the content that I was talking about. I loved the content that I was interviewing people about. So that's a big thing. You don't have to start a podcast necessarily in something that's a traditional business industry. But the fact that there's a YouTube channel of people that are willing to pay 
millions of people to subscribe to knitting. If you have a passion, a passion about something quirky, weird, strange, chances are you can make a podcast about it and chances are people, you will be able to sell an information product related to that. Now, continuing on the unique selling points thing, one of the big reasons I succeeded in the biohacking world is because I did what everyone else wasn't doing. And this is this is one of the big critical keys that I think led me to succeed so fast with my podcast. And just just so people can understand, we've, we've thrown out a couple of figures so far, but I want to give the most hard and fast figures. So the first 90 days, I did over 100,000 downloads. First 90 days, more than $20,000 in income, over 600 five-star reviews globally, a new and noteworthy section in 13 countries, including my home country of wow. Australia, which was pretty damn amazing. So I achieved some really, really big stuff just so people can you know, understand that stuff. Now, the big thing that I think was success is that I figured out unique selling points and I figured out a way to do what everyone else wasn't doing. And this is people need to understand this. If everyone else is doing the same damn thing, you are not going to stand out. And I can't stress that enough. If you want to do the same shit as everyone else, sure. People have mapped out a road to success in front of you. So I'm not saying don't emulate people. There are people that have figured something out and you need to learn from people's advice. You need to learn from people's example. But you also need to realize that if you're creating the exact same content as everyone else, you are just going to be another face in the crowd. And I pulled out a statistic just before there are more than 10,000 new podcasts being created a month in the US right now. And that's just the US. How can you expect to stand out if you're just going to be another podcast? So what were my unique selling points? My unique selling points was the fact that every biohacking podcast that existed, they were all doing the same format. They were all only doing interviews. They were all doing the typical one hour to two hour long episodes, and they were all basically posting episodes once a week. Some were posting a couple of times, but that was basically it. Everyone was doing the same thing. Now, for me, this was a personal preference. This is something that I wanted, but this was also, I figured out, was a unique selling point. I decided that I wanted to create 30-minute long episodes because people's attention spans are quite short these days, but I also wanted to create more content. So I decided to do 30-minute episodes five days a week. There you have it straight away. You have something that no one else in my industry with the two dozen or so biohacking podcasts that exist, straight away, I was doing something that made me stand out that no one else was doing. The second thing was, and not to crap on my industry, but biohackers have a habit of talking about health in an extremely technical way. And what I find that does is it alienates a lot of people. And I think it's a little bit wankerish to an extent, but everyone wants to sound really intelligent, throw out mm. you know, health terminology and make themselves sound, out, sound like they know the most about this industry. So, But what I found is that the average person that's trying to get their foot in the door with biohacking or learning how to control their biology or get healthier, if you start talking about mitochondrial damage and start talking about like really in-depth statistical scientific studies on, on the human body, it goes over most people's heads. And I find that alienates a lot of people. If someone's trying to talk to you about something and you don't understand a word that's coming out of their mouth, you, your brain just shuts off and you become kind of disinterested. You need to sort of have a base knowledge. So the other thing that I tried to do is explain things in a way that almost everyone could get some value out of it. Okay, here's something that you can do in your in your life. Here's how it's going to benefit you. Here's simply how to enact this into your life to get healthier. Here's how to get better sleep by doing this one thing. So I tried to make it more accessible for the average person as opposed to you know bringing on scientists and asking them super technical questions. When I did have people like stem cell researchers on, I asked them pretty basic entry-level questions that for me, I knew the answers to already. But for the average person listening that I was trying to reach, 
most of it were things that these people hadn't had an idea about. And this really helped me also attract a listener base. The other thing that I tried to do that was a unique selling point for me is that I didn't create the same type of content every week. So my Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes were interviews, but then my Tuesday and Thursday episodes were solo episodes where I gave people in a 20 to 30 minute episode tips about things like really simple, take it to the bank, actionable tips that people could could set up in their own life. So you want to sleep better, drink some apple cider vinegar and honey before you go to bed because that helps your liver produce glycogen, which gives your body the energy that it needs when you sleep instead of your body cannibalizing it from your muscles, which is bad. And people start doing this. So this is another thing that really made me stand out in my industry. So find out what everyone else is doing in your industry, whatever industry that you choose, whether that's, I don't know, Winnie the Pooh or, or, or marketing Baby or knitting. Baby alpacas, which I saw on your Instagram story today, <laughs> which was cute as hell. But whatever you're choosing to do, find the thing that you're passionate about and create a podcast about that. You might have 10 listeners at the start. Sure, we all have to start somewhere. But also, if you're going into an industry where there's any competition, don't do the exact same thing that your competitors are doing. Because when it comes to starting out and when it comes to gaining some traction, if you're just like everyone else, you're just people are going to go, okay, I can listen to this guy who's been around for two years or 10 years or whatever, and I already like his content, or I can listen to this new guy who's doing the exact same thing. I'm not going to listen to the new guy. So do something different. Give people a reason to listen to you in your industry as opposed to everyone else. Yes, I agree with all of that. And you know, one of the things I would add to it is it's so true when you are releasing just one episode per week, I go to check on some of my favorite podcasts. And if that week's episode doesn't speak to me, I probably won't even check on it for a month or more. And so the fact that you have five different episodes every week, I think it just gives more touch points and opportunities for people to connect with it. And the fact that they are shorter too, it makes it more accessible. So if it might not be number one topic you're interested in, but it's a little bit interesting, you might still listen to it because it's not going to take up an hour of your time. And I can see how all of that strategically, all these steps that you just shared in unique selling points work from action standpoint. The thing that I really want to understand, Leon, is for most people creating podcasts, from what I've seen, the podcast is one of the things you're doing. It's something that supplements your maybe website or coaching or public speaking, consulting, whatever that is. For me, it's certainly one of the things I'm doing. And when it is such... I don't know how I would, for example, you know, create five episodes a week. It sounds like the way you do projects, and correct me if I'm wrong, you take on creating a podcast. You do that full time as like a burst of energy. And then you take a break. And during that break, you create a podcasting course. So you go full in on one thing and you don't stop. Then you take a break, you move on to the next one. But how would someone who is doing a lot of other things sort of carve out that time to create more consistency with episodes because I also, from what I know, creating daily podcasts highly contributes to your podcast being featured by iTunes in the new and noteworthy. Correct. So to give people some perspective though, it wasn't, I didn't go all out in creating a podcast and then created a course. So just just so people understand a little bit. So my I was never intentioning really to start this podcast. As I think we discussed in the last interview I did with episode you, basically number 42. Episode number 42. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, but I'm glad you brought it up. Basically at the end of last year, 
I'd been working in the music festival industry for six years. So I owned a digital marketing agency that served about four major music, uh, 40, sorry, 40 major music festivals around the world. And I just wanted to get out of the industry because the industry wasn't serving me anymore. Everyone functioning on drugs and alcohol and no sleep. It just, it wasn't what I wanted around me in my life anymore. So I got out of the industry. Now, my aim is that I was 30, how old am I now? I'm 34. So I was 33 when I got out of the festival industry last year. And I really hadn't had a long extended break since 2012. So I decided that I was going to take a year off. Lucky enough, I was in the position that I had the finances that I could take a year off. Now, Leon being Leon, that didn't last because after about a month, I got itchy and I just had to do something. I had all the meditation and working out in the world wasn't serving me anymore. I just, I had to do something. And again, Sorel, my YouTuber girlfriend, she said like, you know, you're so invested in this biohacking thing you've been doing for a decade. Maybe you need to share this with the world. And I was just like, and she's like, start a YouTube channel. I'm like, no, YouTube is just not for me. And she's like, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, that's a damn good idea. So I did. So it wasn't, I was lucky enough to be in the position that I had nothing else to do. So people need to put this in perspective as well. Not that I, I, after I recorded an episode, I spent seven hours promoting every episode. It wasn't like that. Basically, once I had the episode out, I posted on my Instagram story and that was really it. But I had the time to create five episodes a week. Now, what happened is when I took a break, so I, I know this is a, a big thing that we were going to chat about is that I've so far I haven't released an episode in the last, it's, I think it's about seven weeks now. And it was kind of like a forced break. I believe that the universe gives us signs and we either listen to those signs or the universe forces us to learn a lesson. And that's what happened in this case is that I was going so hard with recording my episodes and keep in mind that even though I've released, I think, 86 episodes at this stage because I was doing five episodes a week, so it didn't take me long to accrue that number. I was, in my spare time, the only thing that I was really doing was working out, meditating, eating some food, and organizing interviews. I've got a backlog of episodes up to, I think, 140. So I was just, wow. I was just recording like a madman. So again, this is an issue that I've always had in my life is if I have spare time, I have to fill it with something. And it's something at 34 I'm still working on. It's not the healthiest trait, but it's part of the flawed human being that is Leon that I'm continually trying to work on. Now, what happened is that I got a little bit ill and I didn't listen to the signs. And it was just after I started creating the podcasting course. So Sorel gave me the idea. My plan was to take one week off of releasing episodes to so I could film and edit this course. The course is huge. It's like 77 videos, but I filmed it in two days, edited most of it within a bit over a week. But what happened is the week off, it was like the universe was telling me, you need more than a week off. I got a little bit ill. I didn't pay attention to the signs. Then I got a bacterial infection, which led to a chest infection, which led to a leg infection, which led to me taking three different types of antibiotics. And this is going completely off topic, but just to give people, a, I wasn't planning on taking seven weeks off my podcast. And then three weeks or four weeks later, after I decided to take all this time off, basically a family member, a very close family member died. So every single time that I was about to dive back into it, the universe gave me a, a signal to you need to chill the hell out. You need to take some proper time off. So it's been seven or eight weeks since. Now, for me, creating the podcast and the course that I released, so the course I, I should have released six weeks ago because that was my plan. It's take a week off, produce the course, and then get back into episodes. So it wasn't like I was specifically taking you know a huge chunk of time off to produce this course. It just so happened that six weeks have I've been 
taken time off because at one point I couldn't speak because I had a chest infection so bad. So all these these kind of things, that's irrelevant. But for most people, most people, if you've already got a lot on your plate, maybe doing five episodes a week or seven episodes a week, which you don't necessarily have to do, is going to be too much work, especially if you're doing 30-minute episodes or an hour-long episodes. But that doesn't mean you don't have options. There are podcasts out there that are a minute to two minutes long. Right. There are apps like Anchor that enable you to literally create an episode on your phone. And this is the other preconceived notion that a lot of people have, that you need $2,000 worth of recording equipment and all this kind of stuff. Sure, I have great Rode mics, but that's because I'm a, an Australian. My girlfriend's Australian. She's an influencer. And Rode sent us a bunch of really expensive gear that we didn't have to pay for. In saying that, I've heard some podcasts that blew my mind that when I found out they were recorded on an iPhone headset with an iPhone and then edited within the Anchor app. And I was just, I was like, how did you do this? So it is possible to create if you want to create a short episode, like if you if you have an idea, if you've got a ton of information to give to the world, don't think that you need to have some hour long drawn out episode where you explain every single concept. People love small bite sized pieces of information. If you can get across your message, and this is another huge thing that I talk about in my course, if you can get across your message in five minutes instead of 50 minutes, get it across in five minutes. People will will appreciate that. Think about it. If you've got 100,000 podcast downloads a month, if you can save one minute, if you can cut one unnecessary minute out of your podcast episodes, you're saving 100,000 minutes, potentially wasted minutes in the world that people could be doing something better. Now, that's a huge thing. There's nothing to say that you need to spend a whole bunch of time. For me, it was easy because I had nothing else to do. So spending all my time on creating podcast episodes was easy. But there's nothing to say that as part of your business, as an add-on to your business, that you can't create a five-minute a day I mean, and creating five-minute episodes seven days a week, you could do a, a daily podcast where you release a five-minute episode seven days a week that you record on your phone, that you don't do a ton of editing on it. And that's the other preconceived notion. People are like, you need an intro, you need an outro, it needs to sound amazingly produced. You don't. If your message is good enough, people will listen. There are some terrible Instagram accounts. There are some terrible YouTubers that still get, I mean, look, PewDiePie, he's got 100 million subscribers. His content sucks most of the time. His content sucks on purpose most of the time. Who is that? I don't really a, know. PewDiePie is the single biggest YouTuber on earth. So he's got oh 100 million gosh. subscribers. And his content is on purpose bad. He on purpose makes it bad. And he's <laughs> the biggest YouTuber on earth. So don't think that you have to have the greatest content that you get, me- get your message across. If you are starting a podcast as an add-on to your business, think about, okay, my time is very limited. How can I create content that is going to be valuable for people that they can consume in the shortest amount of time possible that I can create in the shortest amount of time possible? That would be my recommendation. Don't think that you have to create an hour long episode that you have to spend half a day on producing because that's going to eat into your existing business time. Create something that you can create and get it out there. Mm. Long drawn out way of explaining that very simple (laughs) answer, but I wanted to give people some perspective, but yeah. You know, it's super helpful. And what I'm immediately thinking about is the way that I've started capturing those small aha moments and bite-sized pieces of advice and information is through IGTV. So I think each one of us has the freedom to choose what our platform is. And it is helpful to choose one and put a lot of your eggs in that basket. Or if you want to just hit it all and you have enough help and time, you know, I'm thinking maybe for my next IGTV, I just hook up a mic instead of just recording it plain and make that a podcast episode as well. There's always options. And then maybe I set up a vertical camera and a horizontal camera at the same time. And maybe that goes on YouTube too. And I don't worry too much about 
you know, all the details of it looking perfect and I just get it out. Exactly. And another one of the big fears that people have about setting up a podcast as well is that so many people are like, well, I'm not going to be good on a microphone. I'm going to hate the sound of my own voice. Newsflash, we all hate the sound of our own voice. Everyone hates to say the first time you hear yourself recorded, you're like, damn, that's me. We're so critical of ourselves. Not a single person in the quarter of a million plus downloads that I've had so far, not a single person has messaged me, emailed me, tweeted me, commented on Instagram, has said, I hate the sound of your voice. Not one. So, and I hate the sound of my own voice. So if no one's saying it to me, no one's going to say it to you. Mm -hmm. You also don't need to have perfectly produced content. It's just, you can sit there and think about all the reasons why you're not starting a podcast for the next year and still not start a podcast. Or you can just go and create some content if you have something valuable to say, or if you just want to do it for fun. I mean, there are podcasts where it's just two friends in a room just talking crap to each other and people love it. People love hearing a conversation. Mm. It's just, you're not, you're never going to like your content the first episode you create. It's never going to be perfect. And that's the thing, whether it's YouTube, whether it's, it's, it's anything, the first article that you write, the first blog post that you write, the first course that you create, all of that kind of stuff, it's never going to be perfect. It was a big thing that I, even though this is the second course that I've created my podcasting course, I said the first module that people read is this is not going to be perfect. You are the first people to have purchased this course. You're the first people to go through this course. Please tell me if something's wrong. Please tell me if there's a spelling mistake. Please tell me if there's something you would like to be explained better. Please tell me if there's a video in the course where I say that something will be mentioned in the comments below and it's not. And already there's two or three people that have bought the course that have emailed me and said, I, there's this, this, and this. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing that you do is going to be perfect. You're a human being. We're not perfect creatures. Just create something and get it out there. When one of the best things that you can do is not be perfect, is to make mistakes. And people will tell you what you're doing wrong and then learn from it. The, the worst thing that you can do is create a piece of content and then not take in the feedback from people. If someone tells you that, you know, your content is great, but, you know, I think you could get this message across in 30 minutes instead of an hour. If one person says that to you, maybe, you know, whatever, take it in consideration, see if it's valid, whatever. If 10 people message you and say, tell you that same thing, maybe they've got a point. So yeah, you are going to screw up. You're going to mess up. You're not going to be perfect. But if you've been considering starting a podcast and you just, you have so many of these doubts, like everyone does, just go and do it. And just get better with time. We all get better with time. Mm. And if you're being called to share something, there's a reason why. Out of exactly. the of people on earth, you are the one who got that idea. Exactly. And I'm a huge believer in whether every one of your listeners believes in manifestation or, or that energy creates things or not. I am. You know, I've had so many things that have happened in my life, things that, that ridiculous things that I wrote down as goals that had no way of coming to pass that came to pass. And it always happens in my life that it's not it's not a belief. It's I know that if you put energy into something or the universe is giving you inspiration to do something, you should do it because that is leading to potentially something incredible that you can manifest. But I'm also a believer that if the universe wants something to happen, it gives the idea for that thing to multiple people at the same time. Because the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, the infinite wonder knows that not everyone that it gives that inspiration to is going to do that thing. Mm. Because human beings, we're flawed. We have doubts. We, we're scared of things. We don't think we've got the resources to do something. So Let's say the universe needs some. You have a message. The universe needs more people to hear about the message of baby alpacas because baby alpacas make does. people happy <laughs> and the world needs more happiness in it. So the universe knows that if it gives one person the idea of creating a baby alpaca podcast, there's a chance that that person might not do it. So the universe gives it to 10 people. 
because the universe knows that at least one of those people, the message that needs to be created about baby alpacas, one of those people is going to do it. So you getting the inspiration to do something is a calling, especially if you can feel it. We all get ideas. We, we get a thousand ideas or little notes, messages in our head all throughout the day. Not, not every one of those things I believe is an inspiration. Some of it's just programming. Some of it's just memory coming up. But if you can feel, if you have an idea and it sparks something in you and it makes you go, whoa, or it feels good, or it gets your adrenaline rushing, or it makes, you know, goosebumps come across your skin, you should do that. You should at least take some steps to seeing if that thing could work. Because that's a message that you need to get out. And chances are, it could lead to something big. It could lead to you leaving your day job. It could lead to you creating a completely different income stream that you couldn't have imagined. It could lead to you having soul nourishment because you're getting something out in the world that's changing people's lives. Whatever it is, yeah, if you've got a message that you you just, you just can feel in your bones that you need to get out. And that's one of the reasons I created my podcast because you know I've been one of the healthiest human beings in the world. I mean, I, I'm 34 years old and if I shave my beard, I look like a 12-year-old kid. Like, you know, I'm aging super well. And this is like, if I can help one person or a few people in every city in the world change their health for the better, so they wake up every day feeling better, performing better, that gives them the energy to do something, to make changes in the world. No, no one's going to go out and make a change in the world if they're scoffing down burgers and feel like shit and they've got no energy to do anything. But they are if they're going to, if they're waking up and feeling physically, mentally, and spiritually driven, which they do by changing their body, mind, and soul. And so for me, this was a huge thing is I had this information. It wasn't about to make money, but then my business side kicked in and said, you need to create a course to sell as soon as your podcast launches so you can you know, not be losing money. But the biggest driver for me is one, I had time. And two, I had this wealth of knowledge of being a biohacker for 12 years, but you know, basically most of my life because my mom was always feeding me herbal concoctions and weird things ever since I was a kid. But I just something I just knew that I had to get out that in the world because it was going to change people's lives. And if there's something, if you have some skill set, some knowledge to anyone listening out there that you think can make an impact or just make people's day, if you've got stories to tell that you can get out there that you think will make people's day, that isn't just soul crushing entertainment that so many people are filling their lives with, then that's also a great thing too. Right. Well, first of all, my sister gave me this idea this morning to install a glass cube on the alpaca farm and do all my video recordings from there with alpaca grazing in the back. That sounds like the greatest idea for <laughs> podcast video or any kind of video background that I've, I've ever heard. They are the most ridiculous-looking animals, but they're also <laughs> the cutest-looking animals at the same time. And so sad. just... They just, they, I, I don't know what it is about them. They look, they look ethereal. They look like something that's not even created on this they planet. They look like, like aliens. Absolutely. They definitely do. Maybe that's what, what all the aliens that came here and built the pyramids on basically every <laughs> continent on Earth, they also left us alpacas. Hello, Graham Hancock. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing that you kind of briefly mentioned that I want to bring attention back to is that both the idea for the podcast and the course, your partner, Sorel, she really championed for you to create. So, I think we can skip over the importance of whether it's a partner or a friend or a support network or a mastermind program. Just keep surrounding yourself with people who are going to make you think bigger. Exactly. And one of the things that I love about Sorel more than anything is that she's the only partner that I've ever had that is as driven as me. But the thing that I love her about her the most, and whether for better or for worse, she always enables me to see things that I'm not seeing, which is why she's such an integral part of my life. And whether that's a flaw that I have, 
that I haven't admitted, whether that's some bad programming that I haven't started to overcome, whether that's that's a negative habit that I've held on to or, or created, whether it's just me not fulfilling part of my highest purpose or whether it's giving me an idea, something that I could potentially do that I'm just not seeing. She's the greatest gift in my life to enable me to grow and become a better human being because she's not shy about telling me the truth. And I really, really encourage human beings to have at least one person in your life. Lucky for me, it's my life partner, the human being that I get to spend almost every day with, although I haven't seen her in two weeks and I won't see her for another two weeks because I'm in LA and she's in Australia. But have someone in your life that isn't afraid to tell you the honest truth. And you might think that, oh yeah, my partner, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my spouse, whatever, my friends, my family, they always tell me the truth. If I'm screwing up in some area of the life, but I'd ask you to challenge that because so many people, we have a habit of not telling the complete honest truth, even sometimes when it can be hurtful to people that we love. And just like I'm a big believer in that, if you have a fear of doing something, like you have a fear of starting a new podcast, you have a fear of going to talk to that person or whatever, I I always believe that the greatest things are behind things that we are, the, the greatest challenges, the greatest growth are behind things that we are personally scared of doing. But I also believe that some of the greatest changes that you can make in another human being or another human being can make in you is telling you something that that may be, may be hard to say, may be hard to admit. Like it, it's, we always think that, you know, it, it's like disciplining a dog. And this is a bad example, but <laughs> no one likes disciplining their dog because dogs are cute. They're just beings made of pure love that love you unconditionally. And it, it's like, you know, you have to discipline your dog sometimes. You have to, especially when they're pups, you have to train them to sit and, you know, not to run around the house like little crackheads and, you know, to be patient and not to scab your food and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, you're doing it for their good. And we all, I believe that we all should have someone in our life that tells us things or, or does things for us that may be hard, but that are for our own good. Now, if you don't have someone like that, what is an example? Well, there's always therapists, there's counselors. The pe- there are people that it's their job literally to tell you how you're screwing up or tell you things that may be hard to hear. But it's so much more beautiful and so much more impactful when it's someone that you truly love or someone that you truly that truly loves you. And with Sorel, I've never had that in any other person. I, I've never had someone that's so blunt and honest with me when I'm being a screw up because, again, I'm human. I screw up like everyone in this world. But she's not afraid to tell me, regardless of whether it's hurtful or whether it's hard or whether it's you know something that I'm not seeing that may be hard to accept at first, but then I'm really thinking about it and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I've been doing this thing and this is not serving me. Or I've been doing this thing and it's it's whatever, it's it's holding me back. Have someone in your life that is really, you know, giving you amazing inspirational ideas like Sorel does for me all the time, like I do for her. But also someone that's not afraid to, yeah, really be completely honest with you when you're not being the best version of yourself. Okay. Speaking of honest truth, Leon, what based on all the research you've done and your personal experience with getting so many downloads with your podcast. What would you do if you were in my shoes? My podcast has been around for a little over a year and I'm just about to break 100,000 downloads. Um, It is monetizing. It is creating impact. I'm getting other paid gigs outside of it because of it, but it's not at the point where it's blowing up the way I see it blowing up. Okay. So what would I do? So there are five big points that I 
credit to me doing everything that I did in the first 90 days. So these are the things I would consider all of these things. The first one is, which which I've, I've spoken about in this in this interview a bunch of times, which is unique selling points. Do something to stand out. So have unique selling points. We've already gone over that. Figure out if there's something that you can do completely differently that no one else is doing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is use leverage. Now, as you know, as anyone that has an interview style podcast does, is that one of the reasons that you interview people is because you can use their audience to promote your podcast. People love to promote the fact that when they've been interviewed by someone because it makes them look credible, it's like, yeah, Ksenia's interviewed me. Look, I'm a credible person. Someone wants to talk to me. So I go and promote that. So leverage is an enormous thing. I did that with my first company when I was trying to sell social media marketing products. I leveraged Twitter's name by offering Twitter half a million dollars for the first ad space ever (laughs) on the platform. They said no, but that publicity stunt cost me nothing. I leveraged their name for huge benefit to me. And that's exactly what you can do with a podcast with interviews. But it's not just leveraging your guests or potentially leveraging press and publicity like I did, but leverage potential companies. You may not have a company that's willing to sponsor your podcast, but you may have a whole bunch of companies in your your industry that are willing to send you free products. Then you post about that free product on your Instagram story. You talk about it in the episode. Then that company may cross-promote your episodes because you've talked about their product in your podcast. So that's another thing that not a lot of people consider. Sure, some of your guests will be related to a company, so that company may promote the podcast episode, but maybe just go around asking for some products in your industry, talking about it on your Instagram, talking about it that on your Instagram that or your Facebook or Twitter that you created a podcast episode about it and watch the retweets and reshares roll in because that company wants other people to know that you're talking positively about that product. So that's another thing that people don't really consider. Now, number three, which is a big one, which is branding. So branding is a huge thing. And is one of the things that I really credit my podcast succeeding. And I'm not just talking about the name of the podcast. I'm not just talking about the cover art that I did, but the branding of each episode. Things like the titles of the episode. Things like keywords that you load into the title of the episode and all of this kind of stuff. So that's another huge point. Now, one of my skills, one of my key skills in digital advertising that I would say that makes me stand out from just about everyone else in my industry or that that only a small amount of people in the marketing, the digital industry are really, really proficient at is psychology. So this is something that I taught myself over, I started teaching myself about a year into into building my skill set as a digital advertiser more than a decade ago and something that I've never stopped. So human beings, we are very flawed. We are very, very easy to manipulate creatures. And when I say manipulate, I don't mean that with a negative connotation. It's just, it is the best word that fits because to me, it's a much stronger, powerful word than influence. But I don't want you to think, listeners, where he's like, all right, he's, he's teaching people how to manipulate people on the internet. I just like the word manipulate because it's a much stronger word than influence in my opinion. But take the negative connotations uh, away from it. Now, psychology enables you to influence people to do things and take actions that you want. I mean, anyone that's listening to this that's ever built a sales letter, that's written a sales email, that's you know, ask a question on a social media post to influence people to comment on it. We all know that this is something that we should be doing on the internet to get people to engage with you or to sell a product. The thing is, is most people have what I would consider a base level knowledge. Things like, all right, if I ask a question on a social media post, that's going to get people to comment below it. Okay, cool. What I've taught myself over the last decade plus is 
the fundamental psychology, even to a certain extent on a chemical level about why we take action because of chemical stimuli doing things in our brain. So let me give you a few small examples without this turning into a two-hour-long podcast. So (laughs) a lot of the reasons why people do things, why human beings do things, is because of evolution. Now, sure, our society right now is completely different than our society was 10,000 years ago. or We discovered agriculture about 11,000 years ago, but before that, we were living in tribal communities of 150 people or less. Our society right now is completely different than it was 11,000 plus years ago. The thing is, is that it takes a long time for evolution to take some things out of our body and mind. One great example is, and this is, this is all of the things that I'm about to speak are scientifically backed. One good example is before we started building cities and before we started living outside a tribal environment, human beings, we were hunted. We were, we were hunted by big, scary things with claws and fangs all around the world. Sure, we were lucky enough to be smarter, as far as we know, than just about any creature in the world. You could argue that that whales have, have languages that are infinitely more complex than the human language. So we could, that's another tangent that we could go on, that they, they're potentially smarter than us if we're basing it on language. But the simple fact is, is that we used to be hunted. There are some psychological triggers that are built into our brain that are, are part of our fundamental wiring that are still related to, to when we were hunted. A really great example of how that us being hunted that's still wired into our biology, even though we're not hunted anymore because we live in big cities and there's no scary tigers roaming around our cities. The thing is, is that our brain, we get a spike of cortisol when two eyes are looking at us. So this was a defense mechanism. This is something that was wired into us through evolution that when two eyes were looking directly at us, that our brain gave us basically a kick to really pay attention to that. Because two eyes looking at us, that could be a friend, but that could also be something that really wants to eat us. And this is something that hasn't been yet wired out of our evolution. So for example, in the psychology of marketing, if you have a piece of cover up for a podcast, for example, or any kind of digital ad, if you're trying to sell something on Facebook, if you have the exact same image, the same background, same everything, same person, but you have in one of those images, the person looking directly into the camera, i.e. directly at the viewer, or you have another image where the person is looking slightly away, almost always without fail, the image where the person is looking directly into the camera at the viewer will outperform the other image. Hmm. And this is simply because our brain is wired to take notice of that image more than the other image. So this is this is an idea of how psychology can really play into really boosting your advertising. Now, there are so many, there's almost an endless uh, way of going down this, but this is a lot of this is really rooted into science. For example, there's no better color, color to make your podcast cover art than yellow. Reason being is because yellow is the most stimulating color to the human brain. More fires in our brain when we see something that is primarily the color yellow. So if you really want to make your podcast stand out in a crowded field, if someone searches for, let's say, photography or marketing, and there's a thousand podcast cover arts that, that come up, if you want to stand out, make your cover art primarily yellow or something on the yellow spectrum, which I didn't make mine yellow, but I made mine bright, vibrant red, which mm. is on the yellow spectrum. So yellow is the best color, red and orange, secondary to it. So this is the reason that I've had clients pay me tens of thousands of dollars. I've been flown around the world by companies like Audi, by Volkswagen, by the United States Marine Corps, by 
who else? ING Bank, the government of Korea. I've consulted with some of the biggest entities in the world. And the reason when people ask me, you know, what makes me stand out from anyone else is because I understand this. This is something that I've taught myself more than a decade how to do. And this is probably the biggest thing why I succeed in certain aspects with marketing, because I know the psychology of why human beings do things. And I can use that to my advantage. Obviously, ethically, I'm not making people do anything they wouldn't do anyway. It's just I'm giving myself a leg up against my competitors. So this is something that I would recommend everyone teach themselves. If you're a serious marketer and you want to learn how to sell things online, teach yourself some about psychology. And this is a huge thing that I go in in my course as well when it relates to podcasting. Now, the last two points, so that's the first three points. The the next two things... Uh, going over quickly. The number four thing is I really learned how to uh, effectively, the best way of putting is hack rankings on iTunes and other platforms. Now, this is done by keyword loading the episode titles of your podcast. This is by keyword loading your descriptions. This is by doing things like changing every single tiny description related to your podcast to have certain keywords in it. So even the, even the copyright section, so the copyright section of what appears in the copyright section of when your podcast is uploaded to, for example, iTunes or the Google Play Store, if you can put a keyword in that, that's helping your rankings. Anywhere that you can potentially put a keyword, obviously without it looking like it was written for a machine and not a human, it still needs to be readable to a human. But one thing I would tell people is to really learn and that there's, there was a really great course and not to, I'm, I'm happy to plug a competitor, but there's, there's a course that is on podcast SEO. Can't remember the name of the guy that created it. It's like a $200 course just on the SEO of podcasting. I, I may speak to you about it and send you a link to it if I can find it before you post this episode. Awesome. So that may, but learn how to do that because that's something that's going to get you a leg up over your competitors. And then the last thing is learn how to sell. And that's not, I'm not talking about just selling a product, although that is part of it, but learn how to sell yourself. Now, again, one of the biggest skills that I've learned in my career over more than a decade is that I'm great at selling things. My job over the last more than a decade has been learning how to sell things online, selling things for big companies, selling tickets to festivals, selling new artists. It's basically almost everything that we do on the internet is selling. If you're on Tinder, you're trying to sell yourself to another person. So if you think sales is not a great skill, you're missing out in all aspects of your life. But really learn how to sell yourself. And with a podcast, whether that's learning how to sell yourself to someone that you are trying to get an interview from. Everyone's getting asked to do interviews on podcasts these days. And if you, one of the things that helped me succeed is I had some of the biggest people in the biohacking and health industry on my podcast in the first you know, week that I launched. And one of the reasons was with a brand new podcast is I learned how to sell myself. I learned how to get people to say yes to interviews when they were saying no to 90% of the requests that I had. I learned how to sell products really well. I learned how to sell the start of an episode so people would listen to the rest of it. You, Everyone has an opportunity at the start of a podcast episode to give people a little 10-second intro or a snippet. It's like coming up in this episode, I have this guest or coming up in this episode, I have the one secret way to fix this one thing that no one else can fix. That's going to help people to listen to your podcast episodes for longer. And with more listen time comes increased downloads and better rankings. So Learning how to sell everything is probably the greatest skill that you can apply in every area of your podcast, which is another rabbit hole that we could go down for three hours. But but yeah, those are the five points, the five points that I would recommend everyone look at. So stand out around your competitors, and that's about creating unique selling points. Use 
everyone else's audience to leverage your podcast, whether that's whether that's your guests or whether that's companies, anything else that you can think of. Use branding as much as you can and integrate as much marketing psychology into that as you possibly can. Number four, learn how to hack rankings of podcasting systems to rank higher. And number five, learn how to sell yourself, whether that's the start of an episode to get people to listen, how, whether that's getting interviewers, uh, they are the five things. So that's not directly related to you. I think that's related to everyone. They are the five points that I would really hone in on and focus on. All right, I'm taking more notes than I ever have in a podcast recording. Good. It means I have value. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> so before we wrap up, can I ask you two more questions? Of course. All right. So let's see. The first one is speaking of selling yourself, speaking of promoting your work. There's a lot of concepts that anyone would have when you're launching a podcast this is one of them. You should get a separate Instagram account for it and promote every episode. Or even if you're keeping your current Instagram account, create cover art and audio snippets and make sure that every time you post a new episode, you promote that on your Instagram grid. I have noticed that you only promoted your show on stories. You never did any static Instagram posts promoting new shows. And I'd be really curious to know why you chose to do that and how that worked for you. The reason that I chose to do that, firstly, and this is this is again something that I talk about in, in in a bit of detail in my course, is the fact that you've got to understand that people are always more responsive to a person than they are to a brand. So let's say you are a person and you've got and hopefully everyone listening to this podcast is a person. I'm sure there are no trees or rocks listening to this <laughs> podcast. There may be, and I may be may be incorrect, but you are a person and you have some kind of audience, whether that's only your family and friends, whatever. People get attached to other people. People can get attached to brands. You know, there are some brands that do really, you know, Apple, for example, you have people that are fanboying over their products so hardcore, but that's not easy to do. It's much easier to make a human being create affinity to another human being, get attached to another human being love another human being than it is for them to love a brand. So one of the reasons that I didn't create an Instagram, a bioalchemy podcast Instagram account, and I just kept my my personal Instagram account, is because I knew people would get way more connected with me, the host, than bioalchemy, the brand. So that's something that I would ask, I would ask people to consider. If you've already got it's even better if you already have a following. If you already have some kind of following, whether it's a couple of thousand or 5,000 or 10,000 people on social media, and it's under your name, your personal name, that's fine. I'm not saying you you have to have your podcast as your name. I, I created my podcast called Bioalchemy, not Leon Hill or Leon the Alchemist. But the thing is, is that I promoted everything under me because one, I was the host, and two, People like me. They don't like my brand. I'm sure some people like my brand, but people like me. People are getting more attached to me than my brand, so I knew that, so I took advantage of that. The other reason that I didn't post anything static on my Instagram feed is because branded content anywhere, regardless of whether that's Facebook, Instagram, on a billboard that you walk down in the street, human beings, we have very, very quickly, our brains have very quickly become wired to ignore branded content. So I try and do as little branding as I can and try and make as much of my content as unbranded as possible, especially when I'm promoting it through a personal account like mine. So people, Except for I mean, when you're modeling for our money, obviously. Correct. <laughs> and so people listening get that reference. Yeah, my girlfriend and I did a campaign for our money. So I'm officially 
an Armani model <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they loved her social media following, not mine. But yeah, still, I got I was part of the gig because it was we both had to be in it together. So yeah, I'm officially an Armani model now. But yeah, well, it's all my lovely girlfriend Sorel's doing. <laughs> but if you have an Instagram feed already that is doing quite well and has quite a lot of engagement and it's just photos, there's no branded content on it. I think you're actually doing yourself a disservice by posting branded squares with another guest with a logo and something on it. That content is guaranteed to get less engagement for a start because it's branded content, but it's also someone else. So I was really against posting someone else's face on my Instagram feed. I was really against posting branded content on my Instagram feed where I hadn't already done that. I mean, my my engagement on Instagram is, is about 10 to 15%, which is extremely high. And I didn't want to water that down. So that was my philosophy for doing that. I mean, if you look at any of the biggest influencers in the world, and I'm not a huge influencer, I I don't consider myself an influencer with social media whatsoever. I am with a podcast, but not on Instagram. I've got 11 and a half thousand followers. Some people, to some people, that's huge. To other people, that's not. But if you take any of the biggest Instagram influencers in the world, there is no branded content on their timeline. Now, I'm not saying that they don't do paid content. For example, you know, my girlfriend did a campaign with Porsche, the German car company, or Porsche, if you're pronouncing it properly. My, Aust- my Austrian mother would be very saddened if she heard me <laughs> pronouncing Porsche incorrectly. But they do branded content, but the product is in it. But it's not a brand. There's no logo. There's no designed template around it because people know that no one is going to engage with that content. If your content, in my opinion, if you've already created an Instagram following or a following anywhere and none of your content has had branding, none of it's looked like a billboard, then I think you're doing yourself a disservice by starting to do that. It's fine on Instagram stories. If it disappears within 24 hours, then I'm more okay with it. But if your feed has been just images and no branded content and then you start doing that kind of stuff, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Now, let's say you do a partnership with a guest that says that that agrees to do it only if you post something on your Instagram feed. Okay, figure out a way of first, you're in the position of power. You don't necessarily have to do it, but if if you really want this guest and they say something like that, not that it's ever happened to me, I'm just pulling putting a hypothetical out there. Figure out a way that you can do it without putting it in some kind of branded square, without it looking like a billboard. A photo of you interviewing the guest if you're doing it locally. That's great. A photo of the guest looking like they're just hanging out somewhere without any branding or logo on it. There's always a way of doing it without it, I guess, screwing up your timeline. There's a reason that the biggest Instagrammers in the world do things a certain way because it works. So emulate that and it will help you succeed. So that was, yeah, my big reason Mm. behind it. And uh, it seemed to work. That is so refreshing. Okay, so you keep bringing up Sorel, and I want to ask you a question that some people who haven't listened to episode 42, where our first conversation happened or followed you for long enough and don't know your story and all the work you've put into it, they might just discover you through Sorel and think that, well, maybe your podcast is so successful because Sorel is successful. So tell me the truth so that people don't have room to make up stories about what role Sorel and her success played in the success of your podcast. I would say completely honestly, 5%. Mm. If, if I had to give it a figure, I mean, Sorel was one of my guests on my very first episode, uh, not very first episode, very first week. So the first five episodes that I put out, you know, of course, I was leveraging my guests' audience like I would encourage everyone else to do. Create content that your guest is 
going to want to share to their audience. And of course, my girlfriend wanted to be on it talking about minimalism. So of course, she promoted that on her Instagram stories and stuff like that. But so that definitely, definitely helped. And then I think since then, Sorel's maybe mentioned my podcast two more times in total. Now I can tell you completely honestly, her episode is by a long shot, not one of the most downloaded episodes of the podcast, not not by a long shot. So for a lot of people that are thinking, yeah, my girlfriend has half a million people on her Instagram and one and eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand. I, I don't even know the numbers anymore on, on YouTube. She's done extremely minimal promotion of my podcast, and the fact that there are many, many, many episodes out of the eighty something that I've posted so far of people with much smaller audiences that have done much better than Sorel's one. I mean, hers is in the I think probably the top fifteen. But the thing is, is is like if she'd had that much of an impact, if her posting her episode, I think, twice on her Instagram story and then mentioning my podcast one more time on her Instagram, you'd assume that people were going to go there and listen to her episode. And it's just not the case. And the spikes that I've seen in downloads as well, I mean, it's okay. But for example, a really great example is that Sorel launched a podcast, I think, last year at some point. She, she produced two episodes. She's it's not really a secret, but she is going to get back into it at some point soon. But when she promoted one of her episodes, I'm not going to share the exact numbers because I don't think she wants me sharing her numbers with, you know, I'm sure she'll do it at some point. But when she promoted her episodes, the episodes that she actually recorded of her own podcast on her Instagram story compared to the episode where she was interviewed on mine, the downloads that mine got was maybe less than 10% oh, wow. of when she was promoting her own content. So that's the other thing that people have to consider. And this goes back to people, if you've got something and people are following you for your content, it mm. will always do better than someone else's content. So Sorrel's my girlfriend and her audience know me quite well, but she was promoting my podcast, not hers. And when she promoted one episode, the interview that I did with her on my podcast compared to one of her own podcast episodes, it was like it was less than 10% of the download. So people will always be more attracted to your own stuff as opposed to you pushing someone else's stuff. So I think that's a big thing to, for people to keep in mind. This is so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it really brings us back to just creating awesome content. Because when I look at my top downloaded podcasts as well, what I see is that at the very top in the top 10 are not the people who have audiences of millions, not at all. It's actually just the podcasts where the conversation was so deep and so real and where the energy between me and the person I'm interviewing is is so present and so vibrant that people just feel like they're in the room with us. Exactly, exactly. And a really great example of this is my most downloaded episode on my podcast by a long shot is an interview I did with a guy called Chris Story. Now, I want to reference something that I said before. If you feel like that you've got something to say or the universe gives you inspiration to say something and it lights that fire inside you, then you should do it. And by the same token, if you really want to get a piece of content out there or interview someone that mostly relates to your audience but doesn't quite, but something about it just tells you like, like, dude, I've got to interview this person, then you should do it. And Chris was a great example of this. So Chris, is a biohacker, but he talks much more about spiritual concepts than he does the physical. Now, I hadn't really shared an episode like that. And I think Chris's first episode, I've since done two with him, was I think in my first 30 episodes. And I was a, the part of me was a little bit hesitant about recording it and releasing it. But 
I wanted to do it. That was the thing. It's like Chris is just he goes down the rabbit holes of, you know, some of the the most spooky, esoteric, some people would say conspiracy theory stuff of the body, mind and soul. Okay, I'm going to be listening to this today. Yeah, he's so, so interesting. And this podcast episode, I released it and Chris has a very minimal audience, uh, not very minimal, but he's, he's, he's relatively well known in the biohacking world, but no one outside of that would really know him. But his episode was immediately within, I think, four or five or six hours, my most downloaded episode and has continued to grow and is still by a long shot, my most downloaded episode. So if there's something that you, someone you want to interview or a message that, that like, even if it doesn't 100%, and I'm not saying go off on a huge tangent because you also have to give your audience to a certain extent what they expect. If you're doing a, if you're doing an alpaca podcast and suddenly you start releasing episodes about, I don't know, spiders, your audience is not really going to respond to that. But if it's slightly different than what you've done before, it's okay to test. Like you can llamas. always, yeah, llamas. You can always test and then not do that content again if your audience doesn't respond. But in my case, it was a very successful test. It was like, okay, your mm. audience wants this kind of stuff. It's very obvious that they want this kind of stuff. So that's the great thing about podcast. It's a great thing about any content, especially in the digital age, is that you can test and you can get numbers almost immediately. Okay, I've got a YouTube channel. I'm going to create slightly a different video. Or I'm going to go off on a different tangent. Does it work? Well, my download said that this time it didn't work. You do it a week later and you do something slightly different and it does work. So then, you know, it's just it's the beautiful thing about the digital age is constant refinement, constant thing. And you get numbers to back it up. So. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend if no one's listened to my podcast before, Bioalchemy, listen to the the episode titled Woke as Fuck, which is <laughs> kind of fits in with your branding as well with a guy called Chris Story from the UK. And you can get a really good idea about what the dude is about and maybe some idea of why it's my most downloaded episode. I'll be listening to it today while I'm gardening. Amazing. So, Leon, first of all, I'm I love how alive you are with ideas. And I'm so grateful for how generous you are with sharing them with me, with my listeners. And I'm so excited for your course. Where can people get it? So people can get it by going to the short link pod.ax. So that is pod.ax. And if people want to go and buy it, I will give them 50% off if they are listeners of this podcast, if they use the code WOKE, that is W-O-K-E. There won't be an expiry date on it. So if you want to go and get it and you want to go get it at a half price, I definitely recommend you should if you've ever considered starting a podcast or if you have a podcast and you will be able to get use get it and use that discount code at pod.ax by the time this podcast episode goes out. Well, guess we'll be getting it today. Well, you'll be getting you'll be getting free access to it, so uh, you won't have to go and buy it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leon. Thanks again. I'm so stoked to share all of this with my listeners, and continue watching what you are sharing with the world. Amazing. Thank you again. So good to talk to you. Bye bye. If you enjoyed the show please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the Woken Wired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.